Joining me now here on Speaking of Writers, Pete Hamill, synonymous with New York City journalism, the only person to have been editor-in-chief of both New York tabloids and author of the classic New York novels Downtown and Forever, among many others. His latest tabloid, City, is out now. It chronicles the extraordinary drama of one fateful day in the greatest city in the world. The novel opens with a sensational double murder. Pete, welcome to this program. I'm glad to be here. You know, when I say the greatest city in the world, you'll know who this person is, and our listeners here in Savannah, maybe some of them, some of the transplants from New York will remember the great DJ uh, at WABC, Rom Lundy. That was one of his signature lines. Uh, the greatest <laughs> city in the world. A legend in uh, New York City radio. Well, welcome to the program. So why this book? Well, a couple of things came together that made me want to write it. One was um, the obvious decline in... Uh, print journalism, the shrinking of newspapers, the, the, the disappearance of some of them, uh, the reduction in staff, people taking furloughs, unpaid vacations. Um, <clears throat> and since I'd given my life, my adult life to newspapers, I started in 1960, uh, there was a certain uh, melancholy about that. Um, but at the, on the other hand, I had started doing some teaching at NYU. I'm a distinguished writer in residence, and the distinguished would make a lot of my tabloid friends laugh. <laughs> uh, uh, but seeing the young people, 20, 22, 23 years old, um, and the passion that they have and the desire they have to try to enter a craft uh, which will not make them rich, um, for sure, uh, and might not even support them in the earliest years of their work, um, it gave me a sort of sense of rue about all of that, too. Um, and so I thought I'd better write that novel while I still have a heartbeat <laughs> uh, about what that was about, so that the frame for the novel is, is a newspaper that's in trouble um, and will within the 24 hours, uh, be converted into a website. Uh, but the novel itself is also about the people who appear in, in uh, tabloids. And that can be the obvious page one stories of a murder at a good address. Uh, and it can be the small, minor things of a young woman and a two-paycheck illegal alien from Mexico in a family that uh, needs two paychecks, loses a job. What happens? Um, so it, it ranges all over the place. I have everybody in there that would be in an ordinary 24-hour period of a novel. Um, but it, as I once said years ago, that the best New York novel is the New York Daily News. <laughs> Uh, except that in a, an actual novel, you can do what you can never do in journalism, which is enter the minds of the people. You can ask people what they think or f how they feel and all that. Um, but often the responses are inarticulate or uh, flat-out lies under certain circumstances. And uh, in this novel, I tried to get both the sense of the moment in tabloids and in people, it's 2009 in the novel, uh, to freeze a 24-hour period when the 
causes great stress, public and private, among many people. That's a long, windy answer. Forgive me. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's what the novel basically attempts to do. Chatting with Pete Hamill here on Speaking of Writers. His new novel, Tabloid City, is out now. I want to talk to you about a couple of the characters here. Sam Briscoe and also this bold young reporter, too. Is there a lot of Pete Hamill in both of these characters? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a... Um, uh, it, there's a lot of differences, too, obviously. But I think in any novel, you use parts of yourself. You know what you know. Uh, there's a painter in in the novel, as you know, a blind painter, painter going blind. There's a lot of me in him. Uh, there's a black detective, um, a member of the Joint Terrorism Task Force. There's a lot of me in him. It's it's not Madame Bovary, say moi, as Flaubert said. Um, but I think you use what you know in a novel about human beings, and particularly if you've led a reasonably long life. <laughs> what was it like to go from the journalistic life to the fiction life for Pete Hamill? Well, I did both at the same time for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a novel number 11. The first one came out in 68, and I kept being a newspaper man. What I learned was the, the several things about the process. One is the absolute importance of a nap. <laughs> if you finish your newspaper work for the day, go home and take a nap uh, and let your brain rest somehow and wake up fresh to go work on the fiction. The other I learned was that uh, to get the journalistic tricks out of my hands, and by tricks I don't mean deceptions, I mean the ability to fit something into 600 words, um, with 20 minutes left before the deadline, that kind of a trick, um, which comes from learning from craftsmen, other craftsmen. Um, I started writing uh, in, uh, longhand in the fiction because the long, I, I wouldn't write a whole novel in longhand, but I would write five or six pages, take a pause, wait till the morning before I go off to cover some murder or fire or whatever, uh, then type it in the early days on, on an electric typewriter and then on the computer, getting a second draft right away on those pages, and sometimes the momentum would carry me another six or seven pages. But using hands, uh, the thing, the way I wrote before I learned how to type in the Navy was a real uh, way for me to reshape what I was doing. And part of it, by the way, I read a book a few years ago called Ways of the Hand by a guy, a guy who was trained to be a classical musician and couldn't play jazz. And his conclusion was that uh, he didn't trust his hands and that the hands have memory. They contain memory. Uh, and that was exactly a description of what I had learned the hard way uh, on my own. And the nap, of course, being the key to, to shift gears, to get into yes. that mode. Yeah. I mean, I would lie down and think about the next scene that I had to write and let it marinate a little, pass out. And when I woke up, I was fresh and able to get doing it again. 
so everybody works different ways, but there there is a way to do both. Is there As, is there a goal for you? Is it is it you know five pages a day? Do you set a goal like that? Uh, not that rigidly, but I work every day. Um, you know, I start in the morning and work until lunchtime, and uh, with any luck, I get a, ma- a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Still. Uh, but I, I think if you start counting the pages every day, you say, gee, I, I got 72,176 more words to go. Right. <laughs> you, know, you can't do that. You want to just get to the next scene or the next character and keep moving. Are you a believer in outlining? I am. I I, I don't outline in great detail because it take, I use these um, storyboard pads that... Uh, movie people use and comic book people. Um, and I use uh, uh, large uh, index cards so that I can spread them out on a table and see do I have too many static scenes in a row. Uh, I need something. He has to go out and get a Diet Pepsi or something <laughs> to get him out of the room or wherever he is, whoever the character is. Uh, but I, I like the blocking out of things. When I was writing a long historical novel like Forever or, or North River set in the past, uh, the outline helped me understand what I would have to research uh, because that's a longer process. You go out and you find out how much shoes cost in 1934 and how much a suit and what was playing at Lowe's State and how much was it at the box office? You find all those kind of details. And then you let them mar- marinate into memory. And that can take weeks sometimes. So it's not a simple next stop is Harrisburg. It's uh, it's more of a, a process of immersion into the, the fictional world that you're entering. Because the, the big difference, as is obvious... Uh, is that a novel is a work of the imagination. You're imagining yourself into other people's lives. You're imagining yourself into a certain period and trying to see it the way it would have been seen by somebody in those days. Um, and in the case of Tabloid City, into lives that are being lived right now um, and how the, the world of 2009 would affect I think there's 14 characters in the book, but the fact that each of them in in different ways, uh, and that's uh, using the imagination. The whole book is written in a kind of subjective third person, so uh, you don't know what's going to happen. It's not I will do this. It's he thought he would do this uh, to be able to sustain some kind of suspense about what might happen. Uh, But it's basically imagining yourself into those lives, which is why writing fiction is, is, uh, has been for, since Dickens, uh, an amazing place to go for people trained to be absolutely objective. Chatting with Pete Hamill here on Speaking of Writers, his new novel, Tabloid City, is out now. Pete, do you always know the ending of your novels when you begin them? Or do you like to be pleasantly surprised? Um, 
I generally do know the ending, but often it changes. <laughs> you know, I, I think of certain kinds of outlines as, you know, looking at a map. Okay, well, I'm driving to San Francisco. It should take me six days or five days or something. But there's no accounting for what might happen along the way. <laughs> you know, you might say, gee, there's a gigantic corn cob somewhere in Nebraska. Let me go look at that. You take a side trip into the into that. Sam Shepard's last book has a wonderful sense of that, literally, uh, the traveling across country. Um, uh, and and it, 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 it talks literally, literally, but not like a professor, about uh, retaining the sense of surprise that sheer chance sometimes can make all the difference in, in fiction as in life. What is the best advice about writing anyone ever gave you, and who gave it? Um, it, it the best advice I ever read was Flaubert to de Maupassant when he was t trying to teach young de Maupassant how to be a better writer. He said, get black on white, <laughs> meaning stop walking around with this thing in, inside your skull and put it on paper because then... Uh, you can go back and you can fiddle with it and try to make it better and understand whether it's worth even pursuing, but get black on white. Um, the advice, the, there was great advice from editors when I was a young, raw kid because I'd never gone to journalism school or anything like that. I'd never finished high school. Um, but one line uh, stays in my head from my editor, Paul Sand, if you got the story, tell it. If you don't have the story, write it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've done a little of both over a long career. Uh, and one other day I was uh, working at a typewriter at one of those stand-up heavyweight great uh, that sounded like low-level artillery when you were typing on it. Um, what, he came over to me and said, if you should die in the next five minutes, make sure there's nothing in what that in that uh, typewriter that you'd be thoroughly ashamed of. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was pretty good advice, too. Oh, yeah. So what is the future of fiction? I think it's going to be pretty rich. Uh, in the United States, but in particular, for a number of reasons. One, uh, we have, whether people like it or not, we have a great infusion um, of immigrants. And usually immigrants themselves don't write the novels, but their children do. And we're seeing it already with writers like Edward Stanticat uh, from Haiti and and Juno Diaz from the Dominican Republic and so on. But we're, they're going to see the world in a slightly different way from those of us who are children of the old immigrations. But I think they're going to make some marvelous stuff out of it, just on what I'm seeing beginning to happen. Um, I think also because the country is in a, in a time of immense change, uh, that that's going to lead to some great nonfiction uh, on certain levels, uh, but also uh, the kind of fiction that was made by Dos Passos, by Faulkner, by Hemingway, 
and trying to explain the great changes in the United States after and, and among Americans um, after World War One. I. I think we're heading into um, a way where people are sick of being of sentences that begin the American people want uh, among and then knowing that the rest of the sentence is absolute rubbish because who knows what 310 million people want you don't know uh, you have indications from polls and all that but the way we understand people best um, is one by one single people individuals um, and I think the novel is one of still one of the great ways to, to get people to come off a page into your imagination and make you see the people around you better. Uh, the best kind of fiction makes the world more human. Um, I'm not talking about sort of you know experimental fiction, which is about the writing. I'm talking about the kind of fiction that's about the people. Chatting with Pete Hamill here on Speaking of Writers, his new novel, Tabloid City, is out now. And I wanted to ask you, too, about your beloved city, a city you've written so eloquently about, New York. What about changes in New York that you see? Well, on one level, we've they're infinitely better than they were about 25 years ago during the crack plague when we had 23 murders, 2,300 murders a year. We have about 500 now, too. Um, um, but it's under control in some way. Even with the hard times, there has been sporadic eruptions of gun crime, but not anything that could be described as a crime wave, uh, an irresistible tsunami of crime. That hasn't happened yet. It might, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, the The city is... Because it's stable, it's maintaining its its population in some way. It's not like Detroit or Philadelphia or Cleveland where there's been a mass exodus, people going somewhere probably in pursuit of work. Um, but there's a change and a shift underway that I don't think is healthy. You have to have in a city like New York the kid who comes at 20 or jumps off the bus in the Port Authority wanting to be a dancer or a painter or a writer or whatever, um, uh, that kid can't do that so easily anymore He's, he, because there's no place to live, no affordable housing for the people that make a city uh, very much richer just by their presence, even when they fail. You know, not everybody goes there and becomes a, uh, a star in whatever field they want to enter. Uh, and they give up and they leave. But the, the, the sense of ambition and of energy and of dynamism that comes from the talented young, uh, I see as, as being reduced. And in great danger, you can't just do it with stockbrokers. <laughs> you can't. Uh, uh, first of all, you got to count your fingers after you shake hands with them. <laughs> right. Um, but so that's one thing I feel a little uneasy about. 
in, in terms of the immediate future. And the long-term future, there has to be opportunity for the children of immigrants. They have to be able to have as good a life as I had and as, uh, after the sacrifices their parents made. Uh, and uh, it's a kind of nastiness in the air, not necessarily in New York. But we might end up being contaminated as people look for easy, easy targets to blame for the economic uh, situation in the country right now. What is next for you in your writing? Uh, when I'm finished, uh, I have a, another novel I want to do that's partly set in Sicily. So I was there for five weeks. And I know it's hard work, and, but somebody has to <laughs> <You're> do right. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not entirely set in Sicily, but a substantial part of it is. So I made I was there for five weeks with my wife, making lots of notes. Um, and I have two or three more books I would love to do, love to live long enough to do, and maybe I'll finally learn how to write. I owe my one of my heroes was the great Japanese woodcut artist Hokusai, um, who at eighty was asked how he feels about what he does for a living. And he said, if I had five more years, I would learn how to draw. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's what any writer should be thinking. You know, I think Faulkner said somewhere that if he thought he had written a masterpiece, he would cut his throat because there'd be nothing left to try to do. (laughs) (laughs) Terrific lines, Uh, yeah. You have a website, too, I want to mention, uh, PeteHamill.com. You get more info and updates uh, on Pete and his works. We'll enjoy this one, though. It's uh, Pete Hamill, his latest novel, Tabloid City. It is out now. Pete, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Thank you, Steve. And this is Speaking of Writers on News Radio 1290 WTKS.